Amen. Well, let's all stand this morning and turn to the book of Zechariah. We must be getting a lot of money in today. It's taken a long time to get that offering, so we must be getting a lot of money in today. Amen. And uh, I tell you, God's been good to us here, hasn't he? And uh, appreciate folks just uh, giving and being faithful. And uh, nothing goes to fat in my pocketbook. It goes in the work of God. Amen. Get the gospel out. Send missionaries. And uh, it's good to have Brother Kendall McCracken and his family with us today. And uh, he gave his testimony, called to preach in our adult Sunday school class. And we'll give his uh, presentation tonight. And so we look forward to that. And uh, it's good to have Sister Pauline Clayton here this morning. And uh, this is uh, Miss Kate and Miss Benny May's uh, sister. And she is 95 years young. Isn't that right? 95 years young, so it's so good to have her and her daughter here with us today. And uh, don't you love folks that served God down through the years and been faithful? Amen. And good to have Brother Burns and his wife here with us today. And uh, they've served God down through the years, and we're thankful the Lord sent some good folks by our way and all the visitors that are here today. Zechariah chapter number 3. And uh, I want to preach a message this morning. I tell you, I've preached at other places, never preached it here. Uh, but the last uh, two to three weeks, God has just, He gave me this message a couple weeks ago and really has burned it in my heart. And it's not just a sermon, I, I promise you that. I, I'm not saying it's going to be a well-preached message, but I'm telling you the thought itself, I hope, gets in the heart of every person. Amen. I'm not preaching this morning to what I'm saying to uh, just be preaching, but it is the burden of my heart, and I pray that God will speak to your heart as well this morning. Zechariah chapter number 3 and verse number 1. The Bible said, And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. And I said, Let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. And the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If thou will walk in my ways, and if thou will keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house, and thou shalt also keep my courts, and I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. Let's bow for prayer, then you can be seated. Father, we want to thank you this morning for the word of God. Thank you for the presence of God in this place, the good singing this morning. I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. May you give us liberty and vocabulary. I pray that you'll touch every heart that is here this morning. May we not grieve the Holy Spirit, but God, I pray that you'd have your perfect will and way. Lord, I pray you'd bind the devil this morning and get glory and honor out of the service. And we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. I want to draw your attention to verse number 5 here in just a moment. And I'm preaching on the subject this morning, the fair mitre of God's Spirit. The fair mitre of God's Spirit. When we come to Zechariah chapter number 3, we notice first of all in verse number 1 the characters that are in this story or this vision. As the Bible said that he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. Now there's three very important characters in this story. There is Joshua, the high priest. 
There is the angel of the Lord who is Jesus, our great high priest. And then there is Satan, the, 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 the tempter, the accuser of the brethren, standing there uh, to resist Joshua as he goes before the people of God. And I want to say the devil will always try to hinder uh, the child of God. If he would be so bold as to stand in the presence of Jesus and hinder Joshua for the people, certainly the devil would do the same in my life and in yours. Now, when we think about this this morning, we see these characters here, and we see the devil is the accuser of the brethren. But I want to stop and say this, though he may have the ability to accuse, he does not have the ability to condemn. Amen? Uh, there is only one that can condemn man, and the only one that can is more willing to justify man than what he is to condemn man. The best example of that in the Word of God is the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. When those men stood around her with the stones in their hand, they accused her, but they did not have the ability to condemn her. Only Jesus could have condemned her. And what did Jesus say to her? He said, woman, where is thine accusers? And she looked around and saw no man. Save the Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I'm glad, thank God, the only one that could condemn me is more willing to justify me. Amen. And so we see here uh, the characters in this story. And we see not only the characters, but we see the confrontation. Notice in verse number two that the Lord said unto Joshua, the Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem, rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now what does that mean? A brand plucked out of the fire. You see the presence of God, the Lord himself rebukes the devil as he stands there between, uh, with Jesus. Jesus and Joshua and he rebukes him and he says the Lord rebuked thee and he's talking about the nation of Israel as he said is not Israel a brand plucked out of the fire you see what that means is if you go back through the Old Testament and in the New Testament and even in the history of the nation of Israel to where we're at today you know what has always been the principle that is proven true the devil would my friend reap havoc on the people of God he would reap havoc on Israel he would put them in the fire of my friend of persecution and when it looked like Israel was just about gone when it looked like she was going to be annihilated when it looked like there was no hope she's a brand that's in the fire that looks like she's about to be consumed but all of a sudden there would be an unseen hand that would reach right in the fire when that fire was the hottest when it was the blade would blaze in the highest a brand would my friend would be plucked out of the fire and God would deliver Israel once again and God says to Satan you can forget it amen you can accuse Israel all you want to she may be filthy and she might be sinful but God will deliver her again and again and again I want to tell you that's true about every one of us this morning that have been saved by the grace of God we've been in the fire of sin the fire of hell and the fire of God's judgment but when it looks like there was no hope I'm glad help was on the way when it looked like there was no way out and the fire had surrounded us a strong and a mighty hand an unseen hand reached down further than what we could reach out and plucked us out of the fiery pits of hell and we too are a brand plucked out of the fire amen and so there is not only my friend the confrontation but notice in verse number three, there is the corruption.
corruption. As the Bible said that Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and notice this little statement here. He stood before the angel of the Lord. Now Joshua represents the sins of Jerusalem and Israel and Joshua does not realize how filthy he is until he gets in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Can I tell you something today? The closer you get to God, the more filthy you'll see yourself. Amen. You don't got to worry about being a Pharisee if you get filled with the Spirit, friend, because the closer you get to God, the more you evaluate yourself, the more you... Re- hey, I think you would agree with this. Paul was a man that was filled with the Spirit. Amen. But you know what Paul said? He said, oh, the wretched man that I am. You see, Pharisees are not filled with the Spirit. They're filled with self-righteousness. So they see themselves as good. Joshua stands in the presence of God and sees how filthy his sin and the sins of his people really are. You know, there can be no revival without repentance. Can I get an amen? And the reason we're not having revival in a lot of our churches is because God's people refuse to repent. Brother, they're more scared of the altar than a lot of sinners are nowadays. Too self-righteous to come and bow their head and bend their knee. And their garments are filthy. When the church had revival, the church was clean. Somebody say amen. When the church had revival, people lived right and they lived holy. Now our churches are so worldly and so filthy, no wonder the presence of God doesn't show up in most of them because there's too much sin running rampant within the pews. And a sad commentary is it's even in the pulpits nowadays. We see the corruption. We see the cleansing. In the next verse, he takes away those filthy garments. And the Bible says that he changes them and he clothes them with a change of raiment. I'm not preaching these verses this morning, but they sure are good, amen. We sure could preach them this morning. Because here there's a cleansing process. Sinners have to be cleansed. And saints have to be cleansed. Can I get an amen? Sinners have to be cleansed positionally and saints have to be cleansed progressively, sanctified. We have to be sanctified on a daily basis. Just because you and I are saved, we still sin, isn't that right? And the word of God will cleanse us. Prayer will cleanse us. The spirit of God will cleanse us. But thank God the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us. It has washed our sins away. And Joshua is cleansed in this chapter or this verse here and you and I need a spiritual cleansing every day of our life you know why you need to read your Bible every day because coming to church on Sunday is not enough somebody say me and what about a day and time when people are so spiritually dumb and I don't say that to be funny this morning I say that because spiritually they are so ignorant today that they have quit having Sunday night church and Wednesday night church And they think that having church on Sunday morning, you know what that is? That's nothing more than just trying to give people in this day and time what they want so you can get a bigger crowd and more money in the pot. Somebody say amen. But I'll tell you somebody that is interested in the souls of men and the spiritual well-being of saints uh, will realize uh, that Sunday alone, if you have two services a day, that's not enough to stay clean all week. Friend, you've got to get in the book every single day of your life. And there's a cleansing. But here's what I want to preach on a few moments this morning. Verse number five. There's a crowning. Notice what Zechariah says. He says, and I said, 
let them set a fair miter upon his head. You know, I was reading that one morning and it came to, it caught my attention. I thought, what is a fair miter and what does it mean? Well, as I began to study that, the fair miter, my friend, uh, belonged to the sixth piece of the high priest's garment. Now you think about this, the high priest had six different parts of that garment that he wore when he went into the presence of God. And as he wore, put those pieces on, the last and the final piece that was placed upon his head in Exodus chapter number 28 and verse number 36 down to verse number 38, those three verses there, you can read that later when you go home, but that high priest would put a turban upon his head and the Bible says that it was blue lace that wrapped around his head and in the center of that turban uh, there was a gold plate and that gold plate inscribed upon it was holiness to the Lord. Amen. And upon that gold plate, a miter was placed there. And that word fair in our text, uh, it simply means clean. Zechariah said, let a clean miter be put upon his forehead. Aaron the high priest uh, would put that turban on his head with that gold plate that said holiness to the Lord with that fair, that clean miter upon it. And he would go into the presence of God. It was the glory of the garment. It was the last and the final piece that was placed upon him and what it meant was uh, for the people it meant forgiveness amen the Bible says that Aaron was to wear it always uh, and he was to wear it upon his forehead that matter and it meant forgiveness for the people as he was going in the presence of God it represented the fact that the holiness of God was not only upon the priest uh, but it was upon the people and that the people had been forgiven of their sins amen you know when somebody gets saved uh, my friend God places the fair matter of salvation upon them and the fair matter represents the Holy Spirit of God because when a sinner comes down an aisle and he or she gets saved what happens instantaneously is what happened in verse number four they get cleansed isn't that right their sins get washed away the filthy garments of sin are changed my friend for the righteousness of Christ they exchange their rags for their riches amen it my friend, they've been forgiven of their sins. Amen. But not only does it represent forgiveness for the people, but here's what I want to preach on this morning. It represents fitness for the priest. Amen. When the priest went in the presence of God and that fair matter was upon his forehead, it not only meant that the people had been forgiven in salvation, but it meant the priest was fit for service. Amen. Do you know the Holy Spirit, when you get saved, he not only indwells the believer, but that's not the final process as far as the will of God concerning the Spirit of God in our life. The Spirit of God not only wants to seal you and indwell you when you get saved, but my friend, he wants to fill you that you might be used for the service of God. Amen. I'll tell you what's missing in our churches today is the fair matter of God's Spirit in service. I think as the Holy Spirit walks up and down the aisles of this church, certainly he's looking for sinners that need to be sealed. But he's also looking for saints that need to be filled. Amen. You might be here this morning and say, oh, preacher, I'm saved, I've been sealed. Yeah, but the question is, are you filled? 
You may have the fair matter of God's spirit upon your life for salvation. Your garments have been changed. Your garments have been cleansed. You traded rags for riches. You're no longer what you used to be and thank God for that. But it don't stop there. Friend, God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I'm not talking about some charismatic feeling. Somebody say amen. I'm not talking about some Pentecostal belief and, and we're not Pentecostal. A Pentecostal, we're Baptist. Somebody say amen. But I'm not gonna let that crowd and what they believe run me off from believing that there's a feeling of the Holy Ghost of God. Amen. I don't believe in speaking in tongues. I, I don't, listen, I'm, you came to a Baptist church this morning. You didn't come to church of God. I know there's good saved church of God. Got some good friends who are church of God. But I'm here to tell you this morning, I'm Baptist not by choice, but my conviction. Amen. I'm a Baptist from the top of my head to the sole of my feet and I'm an independent Baptist, amen? Uh, but at least say, well, if you're something else, what would you be? I'd be wrong, amen? Uh, but it doesn't mean I wouldn't go to heaven. I'd be ashamed too, amen? Uh, because I know the truth uh, and thank God uh, that we Baptists uh, can be filled and ought to be filled with the Spirit of God. You know, our churches are so dead. People are so filled up with everything else. Man, they're filled up with the world. They're filled up with entertainment. And sad to say, they're filled with, the, with, the, with sin. And many are filled with themselves. But they're not filled with the Spirit of God. And what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? To have God place that fair matter of the Spirit on your head for service. It means to be absolutely surrendered to God's will for your life. It means to have yielded yourself to whatever he wants or he wills for your life. I want to give you four things this morning that that spirit, that fair matter reveals in this text concerning the Holy Spirit being filled. You know what's been in my heart? We've had a busy, busy year. And I thank God for everything he's done. And I believe everything that's been done in this church, I believe I can raise my hand today and say everything that we've done thus far in 2018 has been in the perfect will of God. But the last couple of weeks, the Lord just been dealing with me and said, hey, you need to get that visitation started back. You need to get back to going after souls again. You need to, get, you need to keep passing out them tracks. Y'all still believe that, don't you? Yeah. Amen. We don't want to be lazy on God. We'll lose his presence and we'll lose his power if we get away from those things. Sometimes they get interrupted. We understand that. But we got to go right back to it. Isn't that right? You don't need an organized visitation program to win souls, but there ain't nothing wrong with one. We ought to have one. Isn't that right? And we've had some things going, but we got to get back in that path. And then there's some other things. Well, God really spoke to my heart this week in prayer uh, this week, and I praise his name for that today. But I'm here to tell you this morning, the fair matter of God's spirit reveals some things. This is why you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit this morning. Four things, write these down, and I promise you'll be done in just a few moments this morning. I want to say, number one, it reveals God's authority. Amen. You notice in verse one and two, You've got Joshua, you've got Jesus, and you've got the devil there. Well, that's a strange combo, isn't it? But we know why each one of them is there. We know why Jesus is there. We know why Joshua was there. And surely we know why the devil is there. The Bible says so in verse number one, that he might accuse him. The devil is good at keeping up with our sins. We ought not point out the sins of others. We ought to pray for the sins of others. Do you know pointing out the sins of others is just like witchcraft? You're never more like Satan than when you're accusing a brother or a sister of something else. They might be as guilty as sin, just like we are, but we're more like the devil when we accuse somebody of something that they're doing. And I know that goes against our grain this morning, but I'm here to tell you, friend, that's what the devil does in our life. And I sure don't want to reflect 
the devil. Do you? Uh, if I know something sinful about a brother or sister, the best thing I can do is just pray for them and pray for God to help them because that's what I would want them to do for me. I wouldn't want them out talking about me. I wouldn't want them out running me down. I wouldn't want them running around pointing a finger and telling everybody my sins. I'd want them to go to God and pray for me that I'd get right with the Lord this morning. There's authority in verse two. The angel of the Lord rebukes Satan. He calls him out and he says, uh, you can accuse them all you want to, but if you think Israel's going under, if you think Israel's going down, you're wrong. Hey, listen, the, the Spirit of God has authority to take care of the devil. Where does that come in our life? I want to tell you this morning, I don't have the ability to rebuke Satan. Even Michael, the archangel, would not rebuke him. He said, the Lord rebuked thee. I don't have the, uh, the power and the authority to do that. But my friend, there is one that has all power. He has all authority. And he's in our text this morning. And it is the presence of Jesus and the Spirit of God is the presence of Christ living in us and living through us. Hey, listen, this is sovereign authority. This is spiritual authority. This is special authority. And that's what you and I need in the service of God. We need God's touch. We need God's presence. We need God's power. We need God's authority in our life. You know, a preacher can preach loud, but that don't mean he has authority. A pastor can be a dictator, but that don't mean he has authority. I mean, men of God can get up and, 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 and is this not where we're at today? We're seeing a lot of preachers who have never found themselves. Uh, they get up and they, they try to imitate other preachers. They, they try to act like so-and-so or they try to have a great personality or they try to, uh, you know, to do something to, to appease the crowd. Maybe great charisma or maybe high intellect. There's nothing wrong if God blesses a preacher with personality or charisma or high intellect. If God touches his mind, there's nothing wrong with those things if God gives them and they're in the rightful place but the problem is they don't take the place of the presence of God. I can't do anything this morning. You can't do anything this morning. You can't teach a Sunday school class. You can't sing a song. I can't preach a sermon without the help of God. We need that authority that only comes from above. Hallelujah. I was thinking about this. I got a list in my office of every, of every preacher I've ever pastored. There's 43 of them. Sometimes I look at that list and I know why I feel like I've nearly lost my mind at times. The three hardest places you'll ever preach, the third place is going to be, is going to be a Christian school. The second place is going to be a prison and the number one hardest place you'll ever stand to preach in, without a doubt, every time, is a preacher's fellowship meeting. Amen. Now, preachers, y'all say amen or I'll think you're guilty. But I thought in 40, all these years, I've seen guys come through good, bad, and ugly. Well, that's what's at the top of the list, good, bad, and ugly. I wrote that at the top of it. I did. I'm not joking. You think I'm kidding. And I got G's and I got U's and I got B's wrote by people's names. It's not A, B, C, D, F that I grade them by. Amen. It's UGB. <laughs> and I pray for them. Some of them I probably never see again. I, I, I thought to myself, they, they come, come, some has come through and, and I've seen this other place. Man, they thought they, they thought they could do better than I could do. 
They thought they could do better than she could. And they, they probably could. Brother Blake, they probably could. But Brian, they, I looked at it and I thought, you know, it just hit me this morning. They probably could. But they, some of them never figured this out. I can't do nothing. As long as you think you can do anything, you're never going to do nothing. I know Miss Sheila can play the piano with her fingers, but she can't really play the piano. Well, when that piano goes to playing and she plays it and you, you feel something and you can feel something, amen? That ain't her doing that. That's God, isn't he? He's doing that through you. That's ministering in song, Amen. I'm telling you, listen, I, I've been places where people have talent. Boy, they could play the wheels off a piano. They could play the strings off a guitar. But they wasn't no freshness. They wasn't no touch. They wasn't no authority. Jesus got up. He said a lot of the same things that the Pharisees had said. My friend, but when he got through with that first sermon on the mount, the Bible said he spoke as one having authority. It got the attention of everybody that was there. I'm going to tell you something, friend, what we need when the choirs are singing, when the preachers are preaching, when the piano players are playing, when the Sunday school teachers teach, we need God to get behind whatever it is we're doing and put his weight behind it so it'll have some authority. But you gotta be spirit-filled for that to happen. Brother Danny, and I don't wanna put no pressure on him, but I've been listening to him teach long enough and it may be totally different, son. Do you know how it goes? But I love to sit and listen to him teach. Because it's like this right here. His lesson, it's like a, well, it's just like this. It takes off and it goes. And then right there before it comes, it goes. <laughs> you ever notice that? He'll be sitting there and he'll be teaching. And it'll be so quiet in here. I'll say, Lord. Help somebody. Help me. Quiet and it just. Whoop. I mean, it, it rises and I mean, it makes, a, it makes an immediate emergency landing. And we're still shouting. It almost happens. I don't want to put no pressure because it may, you know, it may never happen again. But it almost happens all the time. Who do you think's doing that? <laughs> Who do you think's turning that wheel? That's authority that you can't get out of a book. That's authority. You get it out of this book, but you can't get it out of some other college book. That's authority you're not going to get. You can't drum it up. You can't work it up. I'm talking about, you know what that is? That's when he gets down to about 75% of that lesson and God just takes a fair matter of his spirit and sets it on his forehead and blesses what he's doing. I'm telling you, I've heard people sing songs and have all kinds of backup instruments and hit every note, hit every key and everything sound beautiful and it was just a song. And I've seen somebody else take the same song and not hardly even have an instrument or not even have one in tune but get up and sing and I'm telling you God lean over the balcony of heaven and the breath of God would blow through that song you know what that is that's not God blessing a song that's not God blessing a sermon that's God blessing a life that's God taking the fair matter of his spirit and setting it on your forehead and say teach son sing daughter play young lady preach young man that's being filled with the Holy Spirit Spirit. 
It's God's authority. Secondly, not only is it God's authority, but I want you to notice uh, that it's God's approval. You see, Joshua was filthy. And whenever his garments got changed, thank God for somebody that had some discernment. Zechariah looks. He sees the garments are changed. Joshua's not dirty anymore. Now he's clean and he knows that now he's fit to have the fair matter on his head. It's the final garment. It's the final piece. It's the glory of all the garment. It's the ceiling that says he's now ready. It's holiness to the Lord. And when he sees those garments are cleansed, he said, hey, he said, Jesus, let a fair matter be put on his forehead. I want to tell you something. You know what I need this morning? And what you need this morning, we need God's spirit. We need, my friend, the approval of God this morning. I think, hear me, hear me this morning. Well, if we're not careful, we will, and, and you know, we ought to want the approval of people. I don't get on this ship that people sail that says, well, bless God, I don't want anybody. I don't care what nobody thinks. I care what people think. I care about my testimony. People that I love, that I respect, that I look up to, I care about what they think. But most of all, at the end of the day, I want the approval of God. I'm going to tell you something about preaching. I just use preaching. You may not be a preacher, but I use preaching because that's what I do. Maybe for you it's singing. Maybe it's testifying. Maybe it's whatever. But I want to tell you this morning. I've preached sermons. I went to that back door and other places and a hundred people can walk by and try to be a blessing to me and just say, good job, good job. And I know they mean it and I appreciate it. But down in your heart, you know. Maybe you preached the wrong message that morning. He said, preach this and you went that way. Maybe you said something you wasn't supposed to say. Well, I'm telling you, a hundred people can go by and say, good job, good job, good job, good job. But if you don't get that one approval, you're not going to sleep good. <laughs> Brother, I'm telling you, I don't care if they're running aisles and hanging from the chandeliers. You, we need God's approval. We're living in a time when people are seeking the approval of others over the approval of God. When people are, you know, there was a day when people really lived their Christian life because they wanted to please God. They weren't trying to to, to just uh, make a show. They weren't trying to just, you know, that they really strove for holiness because it pleased the Lord. And can I tell you something? I believe in holiness. Somebody say amen to that. I believe in a clean lifestyle. But what will keep you from becoming self-righteous is when you plead, when you strive for holiness because you realize you're so unholy in yourself and you're doing it for one reason. You want to hear him say, well done, amen. Every Christian ought to have a list of things that they're not going to do. I want to tell you something. If all you have this morning is a list and you ought to have a list. Somebody say amen right there. You ought to have a long list of things you don't do, places you're not going, people you're not running with. I believe in every bit of that this morning. I'll even go as far as say this. You're not going to preach it too tight for me. Amen. Boy, it always gets quiet down. You know what? People don't like it when you preach on clean living. We're not going home to 1230 today. I'm going to tell you right now. Amen. 
Too much preaching in right now. When you start preaching on holiness, it gets quiet when people all shout on that. Man, holiness is what got you out of hell. <laughs> we ought to be shouting over holiness. You remember when you had the filthy garments of, uh, uh, and the dregs of sin? Don't have a long list of things that you don't do. You know, I was preaching this week, and I, I, I didn't mean this. I was talking about when I was a, kid, when I was a, a teenager growing up, my preacher. I went up to this boy, and I said, you know, I said when I was a teenager, I said, my preacher come up, and he said, you need a haircut. Well, that boy come back that night, and he, he said, or the next night, he said, hey, preacher, I got a haircut. I said, well, I wasn't talking to you. He said, you what? And I said, no. I said, I was using an illustration. He said, well, I thought you meant I need to get a haircut. I said, well, you do look better. <laughs> Shorter's better. For men, somebody say amen. But when I said that, I, I didn't say that to that boy. Maybe God spoke to him. I don't know. But I, what I'm saying is you ought to have a long list of things. Now, uh, listen, uh, but I want to tell you something. If that's all you got, You'll never, 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 never be filled. You'll never be filled with the Holy Spirit without that long list. Somebody say amen. And you're never going to be filled with the Holy Spirit if that's all you've got. You'll be filled with self. I'm against legalism. I mean, not legal, wrong word, liberalism. I'm 100% against liberalism. And I'm as much against Phariseeism as I am liberalism. And how you keep out of both of them ditches is you do what you do because you want to please Him. Not interested in impressing nobody with my list. Because I got another list. It's an ugly list. It's a list I'll never talk to nobody about. It ain't things you're going to see on the outside, but I tell you, it's things on the inside. And you say, well, I don't have a list. Say, well, you got one thing on your list, and it's lying. You got a bad habit of lying if you don't think you have. If you don't have a list, an ugly list in your life, guess what? You hadn't done too much soul searching lately. You ain't that holy. You're not that clean. I'm going to tell you something, friend. If it wasn't for the righteousness of Christ, uh, we've all done enough since we got saved to put us and everybody else in hell. I'm telling you this morning, the closer you get to God, the more you see yourself uh, and it don't look good. Uh, and you got to pray with Paul. Oh, the wretched man that I am. Oh, man, I'm telling you this morning, I think we'd have revival. If we took a good look at our ugly old self this morning, I can't get off that, Brother Laddie. I'm trying to. How dirty are we this morning? So, preacher, I'll have you know I spent time in prayer and Bible reading this morning. That's wonderful. I took a shower this morning, Brother David. I took one last night and I took another one. And guess what? I'm dirtier now than I was at 5 o'clock this morning. You don't stay clean very long. It's constant, ain't it, Brother Charles? Oh, God's approval. That fair matter, not only it means God's approval, God's authority. Let me just give you the last two, and I'm done. God's answer. Look what happened in verse 5. Zachariah is the one talking, and I said, let them set a fair matter upon 
his head. Now look, so they set a fair mitre upon his head. You know why this mitre got on the head of Joshua? Because somebody asked for it. And I think the reason people in our churches are not filled with the Holy Spirit is because they're not seeking it anymore. I'm not talking about a second and third work of grace. Brother, I'm telling you this morning, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day of my life. Brother, running in the energy of the flesh will do nothing but exhaust you and wear you out and burn you out. Bring you to the point of a bad attitude and a bad spirit and you'll drift from God and do your Bible reading the whole time if you're not careful. But I'm telling you this morning, what we need is a church. If we want power, we've got to be filled. And to get filled, we have to get empty. You have to get the world out of you. You have to get the flesh out of the way. You've got to remove yourself. and you, That's why I preached so hard just a few minutes ago on that thought. Because I really want us, us, not you, but us. I want us to see ourselves for who we really are. We need God, don't we? Anybody here need God? Oh, I need God to live a Christian life. I, I need God to, to be what He'd happy to be. I, I can't be what God wants me to be unless I yield and say, Oh, God, fill me. I'll never get the approval of God unless the Holy Spirit channels through my life and works through my life. I'm not up here telling you I'm an authority on it, but I can tell you it's real. I've experienced it. I know it's right. And any day that you don't walk in it, you know when you're not walking in the presence in the Spirit of God. Oh, to be yielded. Oh, to reckon yourself dead. Oh, to get on the other side of Jordan and get the reproach of Gilgal and my friend rode away in your life uh, to live in Canaan. Uh, thank God to live victorious. Uh, do you know what I'm saying this morning? It's God's uh, approval and it is God's uh, answer this morning. When he asked, they put it on his head. You know what I believe this morning? I believe anybody in this room that's saved, that wants God to use their life in service for the right reason, the right motive, and that's willing to do whatever God wants you to do at whatever level God wants you to do it on. I believe if you got in this altar and said, Oh God, my whole life I resign and I give to you this morning. I surrender all. I surrender all to you. The Holy Spirit will fill you. And it's not a one time I get filled at the altar and I never have to give. That's a prayer you got to pray every day. You just got to get up every morning. And say, on Monday, Lord, I reckon myself dead. I, I yield myself to you this morning. I have no will of my own. Lord, my thoughts, Lord, when bad thoughts come, help me to cleanse them. Lord, help me this morning not to say anything about anybody. Lord, help me this morning to live in the Spirit. Help me to be conscious of prayer, be conscious of people around me. Lord, I'll forget to pray for people if you don't remind me. Lord, help me remind, remind me there's souls around me. I'll forget to pass a gospel track out. I'll carry it in my pocket and never give it to nobody at the end of the day if you don't talk to me. And Lord, help my family. Help me to remember to pray for my family today. I'll get so busy I won't pray for them like I should. God, help me to be dead to this world and dead to myself. When I hear them old country songs and rock songs that that flesh loves, help me, Lord, just to dismiss that from my mind. Help me to live clean. Separated, Lord, I could never do that without you. Let me depend 100% on you today. You know what he'll do? He'll answer that prayer. You'll get to work and some old cantankerous person will come up and they'll do something and boy, that flesh will want to rise up and the Holy Spirit will say, remember, remember what you said this morning? 
Here's your grace. You don't have to get ill to him. Or you'll say something negative and the Holy Spirit will say, remember, we're going to be faithful today. We're going to be positive. We're going to go to school with a positive attitude. We're going to do our work and we're going to thank God for all them paces, all them textbooks. We'll thank God for our teacher. Amen. You can't do that by yourself. Then this is what I like. It's God's anointing. The last verse, the Lord said in verse 7, He said, if you'll do all these, if you'll do this, God said, here's what you can do. You can work in my house, my courts. In other words, what God is saying is you're fit to be used. And I'm going to use you. I don't think we ought to pray to be used. I think we ought to pray to be usable. Only God knows. I've been in services and wanted to preach. Be sitting in a service and wanted to preach. Had a great desire to preach. And sometimes I'd say, Lord, I don't know if I'm even fit to preach. I've not been out in no deep, dark, gross sin. But I think when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, here's the difference. You're more sensitive to His presence. You don't say some of the things you would say because you, you know He's listening. You don't do some of the things you do because He's right there. He's right here. When you start living in that flesh, boy, you'll ignore him. He's living in the house. and You think about all the stuff people sit down and watch on television. And he has to sit right there and endure it. It don't bother him. It don't bother him. And little things they'll type on social media. And the whole time they're typing the Holy Spirit inside them has to sit there and endure that. Because they're not filled. Amen. How many, you know, I don't want you to raise your hand. How many of you this morning, you want to be closer to him? You want to be close to God? This text answered a question for me, Brother David, that we have all heard. We probably heard it a thousand times. It answered a question for me that we hear nowadays. Have you ever heard somebody say this? Well, I just don't see nothing wrong with that. You ever heard that? When I'm saved and, and, and I'm, you know, I'm as saved as anybody, I just don't see nothing wrong with that. I'm sure they don't. Well, I'm saved, but I tell you, he, he don't bother me now. He don't ever bother me with that. And I'm saved. I'm sure he don't. Because you might be saved. You might be saved. But you're not filled. And you went so far away, you don't even hear him telling you there's nothing wrong with it no more. You're so blinded. You're almost to the point you forget you're purged from your own sins. You're so blinded, you really don't see nothing. You know why people are doing things in churches nowadays like praise teams and all that tr- crazy stuff and painting the ceilings black and blue light and purple lights in the choir and rock bands? You know why they're doing all that and then they get up and they tell the congregation, well, I don't see nothing wrong with that. I don't see nothing wrong with drinking alcohol. As long as you don't get drunk. Jesus, Jesus drank wine. 
I'm going to tell you something. If you turn water into wine, drink it. I'll drink it. Amen. I ain't talking about white lightning. I ain't talking about out of the hills of LJ. Amen. If you turn water into wine, I'll guzzle every bit of it. But until then, the Bible said don't even look on it. Well, I don't see nothing wrong with doing a little social drink, and I'm sure you don't. Because you ain't never been filled with the Holy Spirit. You get filled with the Holy Spirit, I'll tell you what. You can say something about somebody and them not even know it. And it'll grieve your spirit. You know why? Because it grieves God. And anything that grieves God grieves you when you get filled. Let's stand this morning. I pray for a spirit-filled church, don't you? We don't need a great church. We don't need a good church. We need a spirit-filled church. Lord, fill us this morning. Spirit-filled moms and dads, spirit-filled preachers, spirit-filled singers, spirit-filled choirs, spirit-filled teachers, spirit-filled Christians. It's not the labor of our hands. It's the tenderness and the submission of our heart that God is interested in this morning. As Brother David sings, you just obey the Lord.